This is your new English 21 podcast, a podcast made for English learners by English learners. Come with us and share your experience, ideas, and suggestions for all the listeners to improve their English while talking about any topic of your preference, whenever it is in English. This podcast is coming to you from San Jose, Costa Rica, Central America, with your host, Vidal Tellez Narvaez, the English Connector. Come, share, and improve. Thank you very much. Welcome, my friends, to the section, The Word of the Day, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Yes, I'm excited to be here. This is a, a very um, interesting word, kind of difficult for me to pronounce, as you're going to see. Uh, remember, this is a podcast made for English learners by English learners. So together we grow and together we become better. The word for today, as of December the 15th, 2020, is prehensile. Yes, prehensile. The corresponding spelling for this word is as follows. P-R-E-H-E-N-S-I-L-E. Prehensile. Yes. And when it comes to definitions for this word, I got two of them here. One adapted for sizing or grasping, especially by wrapping around, and two, gifted with mental grasp or moral or aesthetic perception. This is said about people who are very sensitive or who, has, who have a very uh, developed sense of appreciating the beauty in everything. Yes, appreciating beauty. But did you know that maybe you are familiar with prehensile? Because uh, maybe you have heard comments or characteristics from the animal world? Yes, monkeys have prehensile tails. Elephants have prehensile trunks. Giraffes have prehensile trunks, and so on. But can you comprehend where this word comes from? Can you apprehend its derivation? Yes, the Latin verb prehendere, meaning to size or grasp, is the ancestor of a number of English terms, including comprehend, apprehend, and prehensile. Prehensile came into English in the 18th century via French prehensile, from Latin prehensus, the past participle of prehendere. And then we got an example here of uh, the use of this word. Quote, the seahorse has a long tubular snout with a round toothless mouth. Normally, they remain motionless, holding onto coral rocks or seaweed with their prehensile tail. End quote. Terry Lyley, the Golden Island, Lihu, Hawaii, October the 11th, 2020. This has been, my friends, the section, the word of the day, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Remember, whenever it's possible, try to link the new word that you're trying to learn with its historical background and context for you to get it easier. 
for you to acquire more rapidly and in an easy way the meaning, the context, and all of the exceptions uh, are possible for the new world you are trying to learn. Thank you very much, my friends. And welcome, my friends, again to the section, the quote of the day. I'm very glad to be here with you again and sharing uh, uh, the quote of the day in this particular day is very exciting to me because I, I'm very deep fan of the author of the quote for today and an admirer. I, I happened to read uh, several of his writings and of his numerous books. The quote of the day is as follows. If you go looking for a friend, you're going to find they're very scarce. If you go out to be a friend, you'll find them everywhere. The author of this quote is Sig Siglar. Yes, my friends, to know a little bit more about Sig Siglar, let's say that Hillary Hinton Sig Siglar was born on November the 6th, 1926 and died on November the 28th, 2012. So he was an American author, salesman, and motivational speaker. Sixty Glar was born prematurely in Coffee County, Alabama, to John C. Glar and Lila Westcott Glar. He was the tenth of 12 children, can you believe it, and the youngest boy. In 1931, when Siglar was five years old, his father took a management position at a Mississippi farm and his family moved to Jesus City, Mississippi, where he spent most of his early childhood. The next year, however, his father died of a stroke and his younger sister died two days later. Can you believe it, my friends? For more than 40 years, he traveled the United States and the world as a motivational speaker, steering corporate groups with his distinctive blend of soundbite optimism, country wit, Christian faith, and good-natured nudging for people to see the bright side of life. That's the way he called it. He, uh, as, I, as I've said, is the author of many writings and many books. I'm going to, to name just a few of, of them. Um, in 1986, he released Top Performance, How to Develop Excellence in Yourself and Others by New York Beckley Books. And in 1994, that's my favorite one, He released Over the Top in Nashville, Tennessee with Thomas Nelson Publishers. So I strongly recommend you to read a little bit of, the, of his uh, writings, of his works. This has been the section, the quote of the day, my friends, with a little bit more information about the author of the date, the quote of the day. Thank you, my friends, for listening to the new English 21 podcast. 
a podcast made for English learners by English learners. Remember, you can join us and share your experiences, your ideas and suggestions for all of the listeners to improve their English while talking about any topic or your preference whenever it is in English. Of course, my friends, see you and hear you next time. Thank you very much. Welcome, my friends, to the section Today in History. Here we are again, and it happens that as of December 15th, 2011, U.S. declares an end to the war in Iraq. Yes, in a ceremony held in Baghdad on December 15th, 2011, the war that had begun in 2003 with the American-led invasion of Iraq officially comes to an end. Though today was the official end date of the Iraq war, violence continued and in fact worsened over the subsequent years. The withdrawal of American troops had been a priority of President Barack Obama, but by the time he left office, the United States would again be conducting military operations in Iraq. Five days after the 9-11 attacks, President George W. Bush announced the War on Terror, an umbrella term for a series of preemptive military strikes meant to reduce the threat terrorism posed to the American homeland. The first such strike was the invasion of Afghanistan in October 2001, which began a war that continues to this day, to the present day, yes. Throughout 2002, the Bush administration argued that Iraqi President Saddam Hussein was allied to terrorists and developing weapons of mass destruction. By all accounts, Hussein was responsible for many atrocities, but there was scant evidence that he was developing nuclear or chemical weapons. Behind closed doors, intelligence officials warned the case for war was based on conjecture. A British inquiry later revealed that one report's description of Iraqi chemical weapons had actually come from Michael Bay-directed action movie The Rock. The governments of the US and the UK, however, were resolute in their public assertions that Hussein posed a threat to their homelands and went ahead with the invasion. The invasion was an immediate success insofar as the coalition had toppled Hussein's government and occupied most of Iraq by mid-April. Yes, just in, in a few months. What followed, however, was eight years of insurgency and sectarian violence. American expectations that Iraqis would greet them as liberators and quickly form a stable, pluralistic democracy widely unrealistic. Though the coalition did install a new government, which took office in 2006, it never came close to pacifying the country. Guerrilla attacks, suicide bombings, and improvised explosive devices continue to take the lives of soldiers and civilians and militias on both sides of the Sunnisha divide carried out ethnic cleansings. 
the American public remained skeptical for the war, and many were horrified at reports of atrocities carried out by the military and CIA. Leaked photos proved that Americans had committed human rights abuses at the Abu Ghraib prison, and in 2007, American military contractors killed 17 civilians in Baghdad's Nisor Square. Opposition to the war became an important talking point in Obama's bid for the presidency. On New Year's Day 2009, shortly before Obama took office, the U.S. handed control of the Green Zone, the Baghdad district that served as coalition headquarters to the Iraqi government. Congress formally ended its authorization for the war in November, and the last combat troops left the following month. Even by the, by the lowest estimates, the Iraq war claimed over 100,000 lives. Other estimates suggest that the number is several times greater, with over 205,000 civilian deaths alone. Yes, my friends, thank you for listening the section today in history and this has been the corresponding for December the 15th, 2020. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to your new English 21 podcast, a podcast made for English learners by English learners. Remember that you can talk about any topic of your preference whenever it is in English. This podcast came to you from San Jose, Costa Rica, Central America, with your host, Vidal Tellez Navarez, the English Connector. Come, share, and improve. Thank you very much.